0: Amen. Thank you, Miss Denise. What a beautiful song. As she sang that, I was thinking about that poem about the footprints when the man asked, Lord, how come only there are only one set of prints going through the hardest times of my life? And he said, well, son, that's the times when I carried you. And uh, God is so faithful to be with us. He said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. So don't go by your feelings. When times get tough, the Lord is with us. He's there just like he promised amen that's good thank you so much take your bibles if you would let's open the word of god to john chapter three the gospel of john chapter three <clears throat> my wife and i would like to thank the church for the special card and gift for our anniversary we appreciate that so much and uh, we really didn't even know you you knew so thank you so much we appreciate that we uh we just thank the lord for his goodness down through the years and you know the seems like god just keeps getting better and better you know he's always good amen and we just celebrated um, brother junior and miss lou's 60th anniversary yesterday they had their reception and everything so i guess we're halfway there from you folks all right (laughs) they're kind of setting the pace way ahead but uh, god bless you both we're so uh excited for you and and uh, praise the lord for your testimony and And that kind of faithfulness is hard to find in this world today. And we praise the Lord for that. All right, John chapter 3, if you found your place, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. We'll begin in just a moment in verse 14. First, I'd like to pray, introduce our uh, time in prayer, and then we'll start in verse 14 with our reading. All right, so let's pray together. Father, how we love you today and how we just want to pause and say thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for loving us, for helping us. Thank you for being there, for walking us through, for just being right with us, Lord. Even in the tough times of life, we know that you're always there. And we thank you for that today. We ask you now to be with us in our reading. We pray you'd be our teacher and guide through the scriptures. We pray, dear Holy Spirit, that you'll speak to our hearts this morning and that you'll use the word of God to do your work in our lives. Lord, we pray that you'll just make the message personal and plain Lord, teach us today, help us, give us instruction, guidance. Uh, Lord, where it's needed, show us what you'd have us do. And Lord, we thank you already in advance for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John chapter 3, verse 14, if you will, the Bible says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not, what's that next word? perish, but have eternal life. For God sent not, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jump down to verse 35, if you would. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. I want to preach this morning. As you notice that word "perish," I want to preach this morning a message entitled "People Who Perish." People who perish. Thank you so much. You may be seated. And just for reference, if you'd like to turn to Second Peter, chapter three, I want to read a verse there also. In Second Peter chapter three, the Bible says in verse nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should, what's that word? Perish, but that all should come to repentance. Again, we're talking about people who perish. The Bible tells us here very plainly in this text that there will be those who perish. As a matter of fact, these verses are given, and much of Scripture is given as a warning so that people would not perish. Peter is telling us that God does not desire for people to perish so he may a way of escape through repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus came to die on the cross. And yet the Bible says there is, there are those who, who will perish. Verse 15 said that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. You know, God doesn't want people to perish. But the reality is some still will. God has given an an alternate. God has given an option so that people could could bypass the path that leads to perishing and end up in, in heaven in eternal life. But there's something that you have to do to get to switch paths. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are these people that perish? And that's what I want to show you. I'll give you three characteristics of those people who perish this morning. Who are those people that perish? I believe, number one, people who perish, number one, are those who do not believe. Those who do not believe. Notice what the Bible says in John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yet verse 18 says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned. What's that word? Already. Condemned already. You know, that's one of the problems for these people. These people who perish. They don't know, they don't realize that they're, condemned already and what they need is a remedy for that condemnation what they need is a salvation from it and they're not aware because they don't look to the word they don't believe those who do not believe are those who will perish why verse 18 says because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of god you say pastor is it really that that easy is it really that simple Uh, to to miss hell and to be able to go to heaven, to be a child of God, just to believe. Yes, it is. These are the Bible terms. And God made it so simple, so easy for you and I to come to him and be saved. The Old Testament prophet said, look unto Jesus and be saved. And you know what? We can still, as the song says, look and live. (laughs) We can still be saved today. You know, first what we have to do is we have to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, when we say just believe, we're not talking about just believe anything. We're not talking about just believe happy thoughts. We're not talking about just positivism and positive thinking. That's not what saves a person, and that's not what gets a person to heaven. When we say believe, we're talking about the Bible term believe, just as we read in this passage. So this belief is connected to a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we say people who perish are those who do not believe, the problem simply is this, that they do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. They do not believe in Jesus as the Savior of the world that he is. Notice what the Bible says. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, if you would. Maybe today if you're sitting here and you're a a child of God and you're on your way to heaven, you might say, praise God, this don't apply to me. I'm not... I'm not in jeopardy of perishing. Well, good. I hope you take good notes, though, because this message will help you share this with someone who may need it. Matthew chapter 16, you know, you and I need to be always ready, Peter said, to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. If we have hope of eternal life, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, at the same time, we need to be able to explain that hope to others so that they might have it. Also, Notice what happened in Matthew 16. Look at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Is that an important question? Who Jesus is? It must be because he raised it among his own disciples. And so they began to answer and tell him, Well, word on the street is. Notice what they said. In verse 14, And they said, Some say, Thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. <clears throat> but that wasn't enough. Jesus then said in verse 15, He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Because it's not enough to know what others say about Christ. This decision is personal. So He turned to His disciples and said, But what do you think? Because that's what really matters. It's the most important question this side of heaven. Who is Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? So the disciples gave answer, verse 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon. Excuse me. Bar Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Think about that. <clears throat> so here he's saying that Peter actually had accepted the revelation of truth that God had given to him internally, and he had put his conviction on the fact that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of God. You know, every person, if they're coming to to, to moving towards salvation, every person has to go through that process. Every person has to embrace that truth for themselves. Have you? And if you have, then you understand how important it is that someone else also needs to embrace that same truth. The truth of who Jesus is. Notice in the book of Acts chapter 4. If you would turn there and look at verse 12. We're talking about believing, right? Those who perish are those who do not believe. The Bible says in Acts 4, 12, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We're saved through the name of Jesus. You see, we have to be believing that Jesus is the Christ. We're talking about being specific about what you believe. Those who perish are those who do not believe. They don't believe Jesus is the Christ. Now, there's a little bit of a difference sometimes when we talk about belief. And I want to touch on that a little bit this morning. Because, you see, believing is more than what we call head knowledge. When the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And it does in Acts 16.31. Paul gave that answer to the Philippian jailer. But when he said believe to that jailer, he wasn't talking about just a head knowledge of knowing who Jesus is, knowing that he was a person, knowing that he came, knowing the historical fact is not enough. Let me show you what the Bible says about that. Look at James chapter 2. James is a great Bible teacher, and he touches on some very practical things in his book. And in James chapter 2 he talks about this idea of head knowledge and he makes a comparison a very unlikely comparison. He compares people <laughs> with you know who? With the devil. What kind of comparison could that be? Look what he said. In James 2:19 he said thou believest there is one god thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now, if the devils believe, are they saved? Absolutely not. So you understand what we're saying here is that it means more, when the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it means more than just to know he exists. Because the devils know he exists, and in that sense, they believe. They have that head, head knowledge. They believe he exists, but that's about as far as it goes. There's no saving effort going on in their heart and life, right? The devils were angels in the presence of God and were cast away because of that pride and unbelief. And you know, the same thing keeps people from going to heaven today. Unbelief. The sin of unbelief. What a powerful sin that is. It's one of the chiefest sins, and it's the sin that will keep you from heaven's gates Believing is more than just a head knowledge. I quoted Acts 16.31 a moment ago, and we talked about the Philippian jailer. Remember the scenario when he came in and, and God had, had uh, sent an earthquake to, to open all the bars of the prison? And Paul and Barnabas in Acts 16.31 said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. You know, that kind of belief, that word implied a faith and a trust And you see, that's where the difference is made. Because when there is a heart knowledge, then there is trust and dependence added to the head knowledge of believing that he exists. So when the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it's talking about knowing he exists and having that fact in place and with the heart having faith and trust on who he is and what he's done for you. So believing in Jesus is not just accepting the fact that he exists or that he's real. Believing in Jesus, according to the Bible, is taking that a step further. And because he's real, being willing to put your trust and your faith in what he did on the cross for you. To decide, to choose rather, I will trust that to get me to heaven instead of trusting anything about myself or anything that I can do to get me there. Now, that's a powerful choice. But that's the kind of believing the Bible is talking about. It's more than a head knowledge. It's a heart knowledge, and it puts faith and trust in the person of Jesus Christ. Believing is a choice. It's a choice to trust Jesus as your way to heaven. That's what makes it personal. And that's why every person has to make that choice. Look, let me me give you just a Bible quiz. Question number one. Did Jesus die on the cross, class? Yes, he did. Question number two. Did Jesus pay for the sins of the world on the cross? Yes, he did. Question number three. Did Jesus die for everyone? Yes, he did. Okay, so let's stop for a minute and review. Jesus died on the cross. He died to pay for sin, and he died to pay for everyone's sin. All right, question number four. Here it is. Is everyone going to heaven? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense. You said Jesus died on the cross, right? And you said Jesus died on the cross. That's what paid for sin, right? And you said Jesus died for everyone. So then how come everyone's not going to heaven if their sins are paid for? There you go. Because some have not made it personal. Isn't that what the Bible said? We just read it a moment ago. They're not going to heaven because they have not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And because of that, what does the Bible say? They're condemned already. You see, they're still under sin. They're still going to face God for their sin because they haven't accepted the payment that was made for them. Wow. You know, to us who hear this message on a regular basis, it's like so simple. God meant for it to be simple. Because if salvation were hard in any capacity, it would automatically exclude some. I mean, think about it. If, if God just gave us a little list, you know, like do this and you can go to heaven. It doesn't matter what you put on the list. It would automatically exclude some people. I'll give you an example. What if God said, just go to church every Sunday and hey, you'll make it. <clears throat> Y'all know anybody that can't make it to church? right? What about, there are people that are incapacitated or sick in the hospital or, hey, let me ask you this. Better yet, let me ask you that. How many of you have ever missed a Sunday? Oh, well, that crosses you off. (laughs) You see what I mean? Anything you put on the list would automatically exclude people. So the Lord just wadded up the list and he took care of it all himself. And he said, all you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your faith and trust in who he is and what he did for you. Salvation can be that simple for those who believe. But people who perish are not only those who do not believe, but number two, they are those who do not repent. Those who do not repent. Repentance is a tough subject. It's a Bible subject. And if you're a Bible student, you're going to come across this word repentance. And when you do, you're going to understand this is a tough subject. It's a subject that I don't deal with a lot when I'm dealing with a lost person. Because they have a hard enough time understanding what faith is and salvation is. Good Bible scholars struggle with repentance. I don't expect a lost person to get it. But repentance has to happen if someone is going to get saved. Repentance is the work that happens within, while you and I, as witnesses, do the work that happens without in sharing the gospel of Christ. And on the inside of them, they have to become a person who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, but then inwardly, they have to be a person who repents. And when, they, when their repentance and their faith collide, that's when I believe... The door of understanding is opened, and they can be saved. So what is repentance? Well, as good Bible students, let's look at the book of Luke. Notice what Jesus said about, before we we dive into this, notice what Jesus said about repentance, because it is required. So Luke chapter 13 says, we'll look at two verses. Luke chapter 13, look at verse 3. Jesus is speaking here if you have a red letter edition bible these words are in red and he said I tell you nay but except ye repent ye shall all likewise what's that word perish skip down to verse 5 and he says it again I tell you nay but except ye repent ye shall all likewise what perish so people who perish are those who do not repent you see repentance It's not a change of action or change of behavior. We like to say it like that. And actually, we get a little confused here because repentance causes a change of behavior. (laughs) But it's not the change of behavior that's actually repentance. And here's why it's important to understand that. Because anyone can imitate behavior. So you can imitate behavior and not be genuinely saved. You heard the old statement, right? When in Rome, do as the Romans. You know, it's not, it's not a hard thing for someone who, when they're in church, they do as the church people. Especially if you grow up in this. It becomes kind of a way of life, and, and we kind of develop it into a culture and tradition. And it's easy to, to mimic the words and ways of a Christian and not really be one. Just like I could walk into an automotive shop but it doesn't make me a mechanic. I could dress like one and put grease on my hands and a wrench in my... but I'm still not a mechanic. And the proof would come when I bend over that engine and I'm not really sure exactly what I'm looking at. (laughs) You understand? You know, we have to remember this because sometimes... Sometimes people come in, and they look good, and they sound good, and they talk well. But you know, we have to remember, our enemy sometimes sows those tares among the wheat. And the problem is, they look exactly the same. Right? You can only separate the two in the harvest. And so we have to look very closely. Repentance is not just a change of action. I want to show you a couple of verses. Turn with me to Jonah. The book of Jonah, I believe, illustrates this so well. In Jonah chapter 3, you know, when when Jonah carried, he finally got right and carried the message to Nineveh. And he preached the word of God to them. Look at how they responded. Look at Jonah 3. We're going to start in verse 7. Notice what happened when the king of Nineveh heard the words of Jonah, the prophet. The Bible says in verse 7, And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. And by the way, covering, putting on yourself the covering of sackcloth with ashes. That was an outward sign back in those days of the inward condition of sorrow and mourning in the heart. It was a sign of grief. So what they were doing is they were putting on public display the fact that they were grieved at hearing the words of the prophet. The condemnation, the judgment of God was going to come on them because of their sin. They were saying outwardly, God, that grieves us. We're concerned about this. And so they proclaimed a fast. And they cried mightily unto God, verse 8, and said, Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Verse 9 is a reminder that it's very important how you define repentance. Some people say repentance is turning from sin. Wait a minute. Does God turn from sin? It just says in verse 9 that God may repent. God God doesn't need to repent like that. He doesn't need to turn from sin. That means the definition is wrong. Let's read on. Look at verse 10. And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said he would do unto them, and he did it not. If repentance is turning from sin, in verse 10, now you definitely have God turning from sin. Whoa. Often in Bible study, when problems like this occur, it's usually because we have interpreted or defined something incorrectly. It's not that the Bible's wrong or there's a contradiction in the Bible. If you, if you come to a contradiction in the Bible, it's, it, what's wrong is your interpretation. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. And so what we have to do is figure out the interpretation part. Where did we go wrong interpreting what God said? Well, some go wrong in that definition right there. Repentance is not turning from sin, but it is a turning. It's not the act of changing your behavior from sinful to righteous, right? There's more to it than that. So repentance is not a turning from sin, but it is an attitude of turning. May I remind you that repentance is not a work. Look with me, if you will, at Ephesians, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 8 and 9. The Bible says, Herefore, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, if repentance was defined as turning from sin, you got a change of behavior going on, that's effort, that's human effort. It becomes a work then. Salvation would be a work if, it was, if that was required. And you know what? It, it's not. It's not required. Repentance is not a work. So what is it then? Well, I believe repentance is a change of heart. If you want to get really technical, you can write this definition down. Repentance is volitional. Repentance is a change of the will. You've heard of willpower, right? Right? What is willpower? That's the force within you that chooses. All right? Repentance happens there. That's why we say it's not an outward work. But when you do repent, it's an inward action that produces a change, right? A turning of the will. And that change produces a change of behavior. It's not the change of behavior that is repentance, it's deeper than that repentance happens within it's a heart matter but when it truly occurs you will see a difference on the outside there will be a change of behavior a good illustration might be this and i'm trying to make it as simple as i can if you have a better one you can share it with me later but i thought of a person driving down the interstate because it's happened to me before <laughs> you're going down the interstate right and you're trying to get to your destination and all of a sudden you realize you know i don't recognize any of this I think we may have gone too far. And you get your navigator to look at the map and you realize, oh, we we missed our turn. And as soon as you verify, because you had that sense of, I think I'm lost. And then you verify that you truly are lost. Oh, our turn was five miles back there. All right, immediately I have a change of heart and direction, right? I know I need to get off of this. But there's no exit. So what am I going to do? I'm going to keep driving. But in my heart, I know I'm supposed to be going the other way. But the change is going to be verified because as soon as I come to an exit, I'm going to take that. I'm going to hit the little U-turn, get back on the interstate, go in the right direction, looking for for my rightful turn. So so when did change occur? When I took the exit? No, the change happened within, and it occurred long before I got to the exit. But it's what caused me to take the exit when I got there so that I could reroute and get on the right road. And you see, that's that's, that's how repentance works in our lives. It's an inward action that produces an outward change. We look at the outward because that's all we can see we can't see the heart and we can't see what goes on within a man but God can and God knows when true repentance has occurred listen to me I gave you a little quiz earlier and I said Jesus died on the cross for everyone he paid for all the sins of the world right we said yes is everyone going to heaven we we said no why not this is why because God demands repentance. Listen to me. We have to be careful. It's true. It's true of salvation and it's true in life. Listen, forgiveness without repentance is license. God isn't licensing our sin or our way of life. And that's why, even though the price has been paid, forgiveness is not extended until repentance occurs. <clears throat> it's another sermon. But just kind of stick this back there somewhere. Sometimes in our dealing with people, we have to remember the same principle. Yes, we forgive in our heart and we let the matter go, lest we become bitter and hold a grudge. But if we extend that, that forgiveness... To another person, when there has been no repentance, we license them to continue in the same behavior they're in. And sometimes that's why we have the same ongoing problem with people in our lives. Repentance is valuable. Repentance is important. And when it comes to the Lord, He expects, He demands repentance. Repentance is a change of heart. It's a turning of the will. And guess what? It involves all three We are a trichotomy. There are three parts to us. There is intellect, emotion, and will. In the intellect, we have a a change of mind or perspective about our lives, about our sin, about ourselves. You know, the Bible's a good tool that God uses as a mirror to show us ourselves. And when we see that we're really lost, like that guy driving down the highway, when we realize we're lost and undone without Christ, that's a lot of motivation to repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. But also it affects the emotion. The emotion is a genuine remorse or regret. Paul talked about the life we lived before meeting Christ, and he talked about it was a life that we're ashamed of. And you know what? If you're truly born again, I would sense that's probably your sentiment as well. I'm not proud of the, of the worldly things we did before we met the Lord. We're ashamed of those. And if you've done some after you met Him, you're probably even more so. And then repentance also involves the will. It's a change of purpose or direction. It's that volitional change where we choose in our hearts. Therefore, as soon as the exit is available, we take it, right? We choose in our hearts. Therefore, as soon as the opportunity arises, we accept Christ or we do something differently. We make a change. And and so then that repentance becomes visible outwardly because of that volitional change. Repentance and faith go together. Somebody said it like this, and I I, I agree with this. They said repentance and faith are like two sides to the same coin. True faith always brings repentance, and true repentance is always accompanied by faith. They're inseparable. Notice what the Bible says in Mark chapter 1. This word is kind of key to tying all this together. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it says there, "...and saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel." This was the message of Jesus. These words are in red. And the word comes from a word, uh, metaneo, if you look it up. And that word there means to think differently or to reconsider. Repentance produces a change of action. But it is not the change of action itself. It goes deeper. To think differently or reconsider. That's that word repent. Metaneo. Notice repentance and faith are put together in that verse. Because they go together. They work together in life. Those who who perish are those who do not believe. They are those who do not repent. You know, when you really see the big picture, I don't understand why somebody wouldn't be willing to repent. It has to be because they don't truly see themselves as God sees them yet. May God help them. Open their eyes to really see how God sees them. And then lastly, I want to share with you, those who perish are those who do not receive. One scripture here, look at Uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. So what about those who, in their head, they accept the person of Jesus Christ? They believe He exists. In their heart. They desire to put their faith and trust in Him. I know He died on the cross for me, and that's what pays for sin. At some point, there has to be an engagement. There has to be the embrace, the acceptance I'm going I'm to take Jesus as not just the Savior, but my Savior. Notice what the Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Notice, as many as what? Received him. Those people who perish are those who do not receive. There has to be the act of receiving the Lord Jesus Christ, accepting Him as your Savior, however you choose to do that. We usually word it in a prayer, but there are people in the Bible who accepted Christ as their Savior who did not pray. The thief on the cross was one. The woman at the well was another one. The Bible says she just left her water pot there. It was a symbol that her sufficiency now was coming from God. Oh, isn't that great as the Lord discussed the water... And the living water with her, I think she found it. You know, when we find Christ, we find he's all we need. He's able to save us from sin. He's able to rejuvenate the soul. He's able to give us the joy of the Lord and an eternal home in heaven. That's why our text verse in John chapter 3 said when, we, when we're not going to perish, the other option was to have eternal or everlasting life. And that's what Jesus gives. The Bible says it's the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So we have to receive him. Notice it says in verse 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power. Circle that word them. Those people have the power. You can underline that word. The word power right there means authority. Guess what? They have the right to say, I'm a child of God. Why? Because they received him. When you receive Christ as your savior, you're not being proud or arrogant by saying, I'm a believer, I'm going to heaven. That's the promise of God. You're just taking God at his word. You're just believing what he said. You're just exercising the authority, the right he gave you to say, I'm a child of the king. Right? I belong to the king. That's good. That's why Jesus came. 1 John 5 12 says this He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Pretty simple, isn't it? You either have Jesus or you don't. Have you received Him? Or you just talk about Him? Have you received Him? Have you truly embraced Him in your heart? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? or you just know He exists. You know, it's really important that not only we, but that we help others come to this place where they receive the Lord as their Savior. It's not enough just to know about Jesus. There's a little song that says, you may know a lot about Him, but do you know Him? Oh, you need to know Him, friend. You You need to come to a place in your heart and life where you receive Him and all that He has for you. A place in your life where you turn from that old self and sin and realize that's the wrong way. I'm headed the wrong way. The Bible says to destruction. Condemned already. The trouble with most people is they start out in their life and they think they're on their way to heaven. You know, unless something too bad gets in between. But that's not how the Bible pictures their earthly walk. The Bible says they're condemned already. They're not headed toward heaven at all. They're headed toward hell. Their destination is condemnation and destruction. They're of their father, the devil. They're in a state of being lost and undone without Christ. God's already condemned their sin. And if they die in that condition, they're already headed toward hell. That's what John 3, 18 said. And they're living their life, and they have one chance to receive Christ and be turned around and headed toward heaven because of him. Can I show you that verse? Last one. This wasn't even in my notes, but it's so good. Look at John chapter 5, verse 24. Notice what Jesus said. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth him that believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You see the idea Jesus is talking about here? Passed from death unto life. He's saying that we're already headed toward death. We're already headed toward hell. But when we believe on Jesus, it's like God pulls the lever and the tracks get changed. And our course is redirected in Jesus. And we've been passed from death, now headed to life. Well, that's what Jesus does. He brings in not only a change of who we are on the inside, but he changes our whole destination. The trajectory of our whole life changes. Jesus does that. And the Bible says it's through him when we hear his word and believe on him, the, the expression believe on him means to put your faith and trust in him. It means to embrace, to receive him as your Savior. You can believe in God with your head without believing on him and accepting him as your Savior, putting your whole trust in what he did to save you. Amen. It's not really a play on words, it's a deeper understanding of what he did for you and how you receive it. Amen? There are people who perish. Who are those? Those who do not believe. Those who do not repent. Those who do not receive what Jesus did for them. What does the Bible say? John three eighteen. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Hey, don't ever think to yourself, Oh, I can't give the gospel to somebody because, well, I I, I might mess it up. (laughs) They're already condemned. They're headed toward hell. You can't mess that up. So even if you just tell them the part you know, it's better than saying nothing if somebody was riding down the road and they were going to come up on a pass and the bridge was out and you knew it and you were standing there on the side of the road and you see a car coming would you not wave them down and say hey the bridge is out the bridge is out you're not going to stand there on the side of the road and say well I don't understand the engineering structure of this you know of this build so I, I think I'm just going to be quiet about this Right? Who cares what it's made out of, right? Who cares how it was built and what the, what the theory is and, and all the degrees of the angles and, and, and the incline and all of that. Forget all that. What you want to tell them is, hey, the bridge is out. Amen. And you know, we need to be willing to share with others what Jesus has done for us. Why? Because if we don't, they perish. That's why Jesus came. So that we could have hope. So that they could have an opportunity to repent and trust him and be saved. Let's help them do that. Amen. Let's talk about Jesus. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, how we love you today. How we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for making this complicated subject so simple. Easy to understand. Easy to accept. No hard work to do. But because of Jesus and what you did for us. Lord, now we can just come and by simple faith just accept, believe, and accept who Jesus is and receive what you have for us by receiving you as our Savior. Yes, it it requires repentance. It requires humility. You did all the work which makes it so simple for us. Lord, help us to be saved if someone's here and not saved. But more than that, help us to be willing to tell others how to be saved and to give them the warning that they just need to know who Jesus is. They need to receive him for themselves before it's everlasting too late. Lord, use us as your witnesses to do that. In Christ's name we ask. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with me? As the pianist begins to play, this is our invitation time. And I want to invite you to do something about what you heard this morning. Is God tugging on your heart? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your savior? Maybe never? Hey, today is the day to do that. You can come forward. We'll take a Bible and show you how to do that for sure so that you know heaven is your home today. If that's your need, dear friend, would you step out now and let us help you with that today? Maybe you're here today and God is speaking to your heart about your salvation and maybe you're, you're just swallowed up in gratitude and you'd like to just come and find a place and thank God for what he did for you. Oh, there's no better time. I don't think we're grateful enough. Sometimes I, I think we, we cut God a little short on the praise end. Just praise him. Thank him for what he's done for you. Maybe today as you stand here, maybe you, as you heard the message Maybe God's bringing some people to your mind that need to hear that message. Hey, friend, there's a, there's a gospel track in your bulletin. Would you take it to them? Ask them to read it? Would you mail it to them? Ask them to read it? Would you leave that gospel presentation for somebody to find? This week, would you pass it out to someone and invite them to church? whatever God's doing in your heart by way of witnessing, would you say yes to the Lord and ask Him to help you? Ask Him to give you the words to say. And have a little boldness and step out there and speak to someone about their soul. Encourage them to look to the Lord and be saved. Tell them how you got saved. It doesn't have to be hard or complicated. Just tell them what you know. thank you so much you can look this way god bless you i know god is good and i thank the lord for the salvation that he gave to me amen no doubt in my mind i know without the lord i I would miss heaven amen and uh if you're saved you you know that as well right god is so good and i appreciate what he's done for us and others and uh, i appreciate being involved helping other people get there too that's such a blessing isn't it god is good to just let us have a part in his work and uh, and and help people come. That's a great thing.